Uh, two weeks ago, we uh, just started and jumped into uh, to Acts and got through the first three verses. So if you want to turn in to the beginning of Acts, um, and a lot of it was, uh, you know, part of it was background. Um, you know, uh, Luke is, well, we found out who the author was and why uh, we're, we're pretty confident that the author is Luke, um, and then Luke is writing to uh, someone named Theophilus, and who Theophilus uh, could be, uh, and maybe likely to be, um, even though that person may not be specifically identified, um, about who that, that uh, person, you know, the role of that person. Um, and, you know, Luke opens it up and says, you know, this is really the second half of, of uh, you know, a story that I was writing about Jesus. And, uh, and so the first part was really looking at, at Jesus and, and what he did, and we talked about that. And then uh, we talked real briefly about all of the instances where we see the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, which will help us when we talk today, uh, and a couple of things that we're going to look like at today. Um, so uh, when we see this message, you know, I guess, I guess uh, sometimes I like to just throw a title on there to get my head wrapped around, and, and I'm titling this, Gotta Go. Um, that's what we see um, in, this, uh, in this passage when we look at uh, verses 4 through 11. Um, so let's read the, those verses. I'm going to actually pray first, and then uh, we'll jump into uh, reading those verses 4 through 11, and then start unpacking it and see how far we can get. Uh, Lord, we thank you so much for this morning. Uh, thank you for each and every day that you give us, and that life is a wonderful and beautiful gift. Um, whether we are going through trials or whether we are feeling like everything is a-okay, Lord, um, I pray that uh, we can either, either praise you, uh, cling to you, rest upon you, uh, not become too um, reliant on ourselves, but understand that these things, these moments, whatever it is, um, are gifts to make us stronger, to make us more appreciative, uh, whatever it is. And I pray, Lord, as we look at your word, um, that we just see how you're working in history. I pray, Lord, that we'll just make us pause and stop and look at our own history as well and uh, help us to illuminate our minds uh, this morning and pray for everyone who's preparing uh, to either play worship, to read uh, scripture, to preach your word or teach this morning uh, that your spirit is within all of us and uh, all of us who are sitting and listening uh, to apply that word to our lives. And we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, all right, so I'll read uh, verses 4 through 11. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John, the, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many da- days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking up, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes, and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven." Uh, well, there are, you know, there are times that we see in Acts that there will just be a lot of, place, a lot of things that are brought up 
that pull us to other parts uh, of Scripture. And so we're going to find that you know, there's a lot of different places that Jesus is referring to uh, that we're going to kind of bounce around um, and see you know, what is it that he's talking about, maybe what is it, the mindset of, of the apostles, and even what, what is Jesus getting at. Um, but to kind of get our heads wrapped around like kind of the, you know, the feeling of what's going on here, um, how many are you, are, you know, just kind of, kind of get a sense of, of you as people? How many of you are like either on-the-go people or kind of homebody people? All right, so if you kind of like wanted to uh, qualify yourself, like who's like an on-the-go person, and you might be married to someone who's on-the-go, which kind of like makes you more on-the-go than you'd like to be, um, and sometimes you're, you know, it comes to uh, that understanding. So how would you, how many of you, I said that, that you're typically on-the-go, like if there's a Saturday, you're like, how can I, what can I do, what can I do? So on-the-go people, raise your hand, okay. How many of you are like, you know, it's Saturday, we don't have to rush out, right? You know, it's time to just kind of hang out, relax, you know, take it as it comes. Okay, all right, so it's, it's kind of interesting, you know, I didn't know if it would be, it'd be split. Um, well, we know that there's times that, we'll, you know, we don't want to go out. I know there's times that, you know, the last drop of milk is used and it's like, uh, we need, you know, sometimes that, hey, we need milk for tomorrow morning for cereal for the kids. And I'm like, can't we just make something without they can just have bread, right? Toast or something. Toast and water. Never hurt anyone. Um, so sometimes you have to make those trips to go out because things are necessary. But we, we do kind of personally t- tend to gravitate towards like being a type of person, one or another. And sometimes, yeah, you might be married to somebody who like wants to go out and you'll oblige and maybe the same thing like, hey, hey, let's just stay home. And it's like, okay, well, we'll stay home, that's fine. And so, you know, you, you kind of gravitate towards, uh, you know, what that is. And sometimes circumstances force us to be that way. You want to go play, but it's raining outside, you know, those type of things. Um, that's really in these, these verses, uh, we're going to see this call to either go or to stay um, in, uh, for Jesus and for the apostles and uh, to kind of understand what's going on in this. Um, so the first one is Jesus has got to go. And the apostles want to know. And this is verses 4 through 7. 4 through 7. <clears throat> and so starting out in verse 4, while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem. We back up just a couple verses. Jesus is, uh, uh, said he's been appearing to them over 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And that's what we talked about a couple weeks ago. What, whenever Jesus spoke of the kingdom of God, what was that really? And, and so there was a spiritual aspect there's a right now aspect about um, a kingdom uh, that we are a part of. If you follow Jesus, or you, you know, he's talking about the Father, so follow God in, in broad terms. Um, but Jesus being the way into that kingdom. Uh, but there will also be a physical aspect to that. Uh, there'll be you know, some actual physical dimension of what that kingdom will look like. And so as Jesus spoke about it, there were certain things that weren't quite you know, crystallized. And we start seeing that in other portions of Scripture, that there is a a spiritual dimension that Jesus is Lord right, of our lives, which means in a spiritual sense, the kingdom of our lives, um, that he rules and that there are people a part of that kingdom and a people not a part of that kingdom. But then there will actually be a physical um, reigning and ruling um, and an actual kingdom where Jesus will rule on the earth aspect to that. And so sometimes when he's speaking, he's kind of talking about different aspects to it. And a lot of times he gives parables, right? Which parables were purposefully um, 
uh, disclosed information uh, in order to um, illuminate the minds of those who were like getting it and to um, you know maybe hide from those who just weren't getting it. And so uh, he was always like, the kingdom of heaven is like, you know, and he would use illustrations. The kingdom of heaven, he wouldn't say this, the kingdom of heaven is like this chair. You know, he just would pull things around that he would pull on, like, like a mustard seed or, the, or like a, um, a king in a vineyard. And so sometimes it was agricultural, and sometimes it was people. But he was illustrating all those points, and when we looked at all those things together, we start kind of getting an idea about what that, what that looks like. Um, and so he was, he was doing that with his disciples over 40 days. And so uh, we get to this verse in 4. So when they came together, um, oh, I'm sorry. So while he was staying with them, he said, I do not want you to depart from Jerusalem. All right? That's where, uh, you know, and we see in different places that he hasn't been appearing just in Jerusalem, but he's with them now in Jerusalem and he wants them to stay in Jerusalem. So why, why Jerusalem? Why would Jerusalem be a good center? And what are some of the things that are pros? And what are some of the things that are maybe cons about Jerusalem? Okay, so they're familiar with it. Protection, meaning they have some contacts or some people. And, okay. and we definitely know that to be true, uh, that there are some individuals that seemed, you know, John seems to have some, and when you read the Gospels, he seems to have some, uh, interest, uh, some connections with, with uh, people and, and know some people um, that are uh, around the, the city. So you have that. Um, why else would they be familiar with Jerusalem? Even if, because were they, were they from Jerusalem? Were a lot of them from Jerusalem? From yeah, so most of them were, were outside of Jerusalem. So Jerusalem would have been like, you know, a, a different city for most of them. But why would they all have been familiar with Jerusalem? What's that? So, yeah, so we've got the temple there and the religious center. And what did that mean? Since the temple was there and that was the religious center, what did that mean for the people, the Jews? Yeah, they go there, right? So there were certain times that they would, they would all come and they would all come to Jerusalem uh, in order to uh, make sacrifice and to celebrate um, different feasts and festivals. And so they would all have been familiar with it, just as, you know, we don't live inside Atlanta, but most of us are familiar, and some are more familiar uh, with Atlanta than the others. And he says, you know, but this would have been, uh, you know, some day's journey from Galilee, from where they're from. And so he wants them to stay um, in Jerusalem. So what, what would be some of the, what do you think some of the difficulties would be about being in Jerusalem? Okay, yeah, I mean, that's, that's like one big obvious thing is that um, when you, you know, if Jesus, who was uh, crucified um, not too long ago, like he met opposition to the point where he was crucified, that uh, us continuing to preach his message might bring ire and anger from those who really have the power um, in that area. So it wouldn't have been a place that maybe they would have been comfortable staying. It would have been familiar. Um, but, you know, sometimes it's easier to go to places where there just aren't a lot of people around. 
you, know, you think of the Mormons and going to Salt Lake City as they, they actually, you know, if you know the history of Mormons, uh, they've kind of traveled across the U.S. and sometimes they were pushed out and then they finally, you know, s- stopped in an area where they, they uh, got less resistance. But they're going to they're gonna have a lot of resistance here in Jerusalem. And we're going to see that um, as we go along. But Jesus says, I want you to stay here. Um, and so why do you think he had to order them to stay there? You know, part of it has to do with some, maybe some of the things that we talked about. Why else do you think he had to order them to stay there? Because that was, it's uh, well, I'm sure what it says. Okay. Okay. That that is likely on their mind. Why why would you think that? What what gives you what gives you any knowledge about you know circumstances? What what has happened? Okay. They're gonna hate you because they hated me first. And what do we see in in some of the gospels? Like right after Jesus was crucified, where do they go? What's that? Yeah, so they go, you know, depending if you look in uh, John or I think in Matthew, that they go into the upper room, um, and what do they do? They, got, they lock the door, right? So they go into hiding. So we see that, that even when they're in Jerusalem, they, like, make sure that, that they're not seen um, because uh, they don't quite know what's going on. The tomb is empty, and so they're not, they're, they don't know, and so Jesus comes to them. Uh, we also, and I think we touched on it uh, last time as well, what, where, did, uh, where did we find Peter and you know, some of the other disciples Like sometime later after that? Yeah, so they were back fishing, right? And so they were uh, back in the Sea of Galilee fishing, and Jesus comes to them there. And so uh, there's a sense where um, that even during this time, that even Jesus is, is talking about the kingdom of God, um, one, they're not knowing how long he's staying for. Um, at, at this point, we have no indication that he said, you know, I'm only going to be here for X amount of time. He, he does, and we'll look at certain things that he says about how long, you know, generally. Um, but they don't know how long he's going to stay. They, they have jobs that they may need to go back to. And so he says, I want you to stay in Jerusalem. And uh, he orders them to, to stay there. Um, so... Uh, he is wanting them to wait. And so it won't be long, but um, I'm going to reveal something to you. And he says this, But wait for the promise of the Father, which he said you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Uh, so I want you to turn back to Matthew 3. So we'll look at a, a couple things. As he talks about a few things, and we'll, we'll look at the promise that, that uh, was made, that the Father promised that Jesus had told them about um, in just a second. But if you go to Matthew 3, verse 10, he describes, because he says, John baptized with the Holy Spirit, um, or I'm sorry, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Uh, so Matthew 3, verse 10, this is John the Baptist speaking, and he says, Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees, Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and is thrown into the fire. Verse 11, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Okay, so John the Baptist describes something that, that, that the people are going to be uh, baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire. 
Um, if you were to go back where John gets that language from, uh, and it's interesting, and we you know, talked through this, I can't remember how many months, months ago it was, but we went through the book of Malachi, but I can read a couple verses from the book of Malachi. In chapter 3 and 4, Malachi is you know, the last prophet to, to speak, and um, he kind of wraps up his book with talking about a messenger who is coming. Um, and he says, I send my messenger, and this is the Lord speaking, he will prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to the, his temple. And the messenger of the covenant whom you delight, he is coming, says the Lord. But who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire, and like fuller's soap. And so he is going to come, and he's going to purify. All right. So we have language that, that speaks of what that looks like. And then in chapter 4 of Malachi, he continues, so kind of skipping ahead, um, he says, But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings, and you shall go out leaping um, like calves from the stall. Uh, I'm sorry, verse 1, going back. Behold, the day, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all of the arrogant and all evildoers will be like stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, that it will leave them neither root nor branch. Right? And so John the Baptist is picking up that language. And even John the Baptist was talking about, you know, is that messenger that was, was uh, spoken of to talk about that. And so, but John the Baptist says, it's not me who's doing these things when uh, that, that uh, Jesus will baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And so we have this kind of introduction of the Holy Spirit, and we have uh, something that is brought up about the fire. Um, when there is fire, what does that typically mean? You know, what do we understand that that goes along with? Yeah. And so judgment. And so, um, so when Jesus is saying these things, kind of have that a little bit in the back of your mind, um, because when he says these things, it's not just in isolation, right? Um, you're going to wait for the Holy Spirit. And so in their minds, there's like, it broadens up like, is this what Malachi was talking about? Is this what John the Baptist was talking about with spirit and fire? And are these things kind of connected together? Um, so we have that kind of peace in mind. Um, if you turn to John 14, when Jesus kind of elaborates a little more, and this is specifically where he uh, talks about... Um, the Holy Spirit and what that looks like. Because when we think of baptizing with the Holy Spirit, is that something that Jesus is doing while he's there on earth? Um, but Jesus kind of, you know, then teaches about what, what this looks like. He says uh, in, in, in verse 15 of chapter 14 of John, If you love me, you'll keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me, because I live, you also will live. So he's kind of got a little bit of language about, you know, I'm going away, and then I'm coming back. And so we have, have that idea. In that day you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you, and whoever has my commandments and keeps them, um, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. 
Now to verse 25. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to you remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you love me, you will have rejoiced because I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. Um, chapter 15 speaks a little bit more of this. Verse 24 And 23 says, Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they've seen and hated both me and my father. Jesus speaking about why he did the miracles that he did to, again, attest to the truth of the message that he spoke of. Verse 25, But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me, and you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. He says you will bear witness. We're going to see that in just a little bit as well. Um, And then chapter 16, verses uh, 5 through 15. But now I'm going to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth, for He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak and will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take what is Mine and declare to you all that the Father has is Mine. Therefore I said that He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. Alright, so just kind of, if you want to hold your place, if you've got a paper Bible, otherwise you can go back to this. Um, we'll look at a couple, couple other places, but we're going to come back to, to John um, 16 in, in just a second. Um, so when he's talking about this helper and the spirit, you know, what, is, what is that picking up on? And so he's picking up on uh, a reference to, well, I guess, you know, what, was he, what was he picking up on? So you, guys, you guys know this, right? Okay, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, the Helper, right? And when, when do we see that uh, the Spirit would, would be with His people? Do you guys know when uh, the, there were certain prophetic utterances um, wrapped around uh, when Jesus would come? And when Jesus would come, what is He going to bring with Him? What is He going to ratify? How are things going to change? The Israelites lived under a system of laws which he would not abolish but fulfill, but things will be different. And this would be under what? He was under an old covenant. And so what is this going to be under? A new covenant. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I just didn't want to say it, but, you know. So, um, so there are plenty of places where uh, uh, the, the new covenant is, is spoken about, but if we go to Ezekiel, you can either uh, listen, we'll just look at a few verses in Ezekiel. So Ezekiel 36, verse 24. 
The Lord is speaking. He says, I will take you from the nations and I'll gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from all of your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers and you shall be my people and I will be your God. Right, so when, when John is speaking certain things, John the Baptist is speaking certain things, you know, he's referencing, you know, he's, he's saying this is what Jesus is coming to do and you know, this is what I'm coming to do. Um, and this is based on, you know, they would have in their mind some of these, these prophecies, some of these uh, um, things that are said about what this will look like in the future. And so kind of keep that in mind as you have all of these things kind of swirling in their minds. And they elaborate a little bit, but then, you know, there's certain things that they're not quite sure of. Like, well, what does that look like? And when's that going to happen? And, you know, how's, how is that going to happen? I mean, when Jesus talks about a, a helper, I mean, they're, they're looking at Jesus, a, you know, a physical person, and they're saying this helper is going to come and convict you of these things. And so, you know, but he says the Spirit will be in you, but, you know, what are they thinking? How, how are they, you know, processing all this information? But we know what has been talked about, and specifically because this is talked about it, to Israel, there are certain things about uh, what it looks like for the nation wrapped up in what the new covenant looks like. And so they have some of those things that they're thinking about, and we'll see that as it plays out in a couple verses. All right, back to, back to John, and we'll, we'll finish out um, just looking at uh, chapter 16 and some of the things that were said. Um, so... Uh, verse 6, back in chapter 16 of John, he says, But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. You know, I mean, it's you know, just with anything. If somebody says, I have to leave, um, I just, I don't know. I remember my mom used to sing me a song, I'm leaving on a jet plane. You guys ever know that song? <laughs> and I would cry. Like, she would just sing, like, a song for me to fall asleep at night. But I would be like, I don't want you to leave on a jet You know, and she's like, I'm not going anywhere. I haven't been in a plane in years, you know. And, uh, but, like, I, for some reason, like, I just remember, like, crying when I was, like, you know, for that. And so, you know, and I, one of my, one of my children is, is similar, very, like, sensitive in that, in that way. And so, um, so he's like, I got to go. And they're like, what do you mean you got to go? Like, I left everything, and I'm following you. And he's like, so he's like, I know that there's sorrow that's filling your heart. It's like, what, what do you mean? You know, uh, did you get a better offer? Um, you know, so Jesus like, yes, I did. So no, um, he says, now I'm going to him who sent me and none of you asked me, where are you going? But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe in me, concerning righteousness because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer, concerning judgment because the rule of the world is to be judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you can't hear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into the truth, for he'll speak his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he'll declare to you, Things that are to come. He'll glorify me, for he'll take what is mine and declare to you all that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said, he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Verse 16. A little while longer you will see me no longer. And again, a little while you will see me. So, 
He's like, you're not going to see me, then you're going to see me, and then, you know, are you speaking future or, or that? A little, um, some of his disciples said, what is this that he says to us? A little while, you'll not see me, and again a little while, and you will see me. Later on, they're like, oh, now we get it. I guess what you, you know, because he came back. Um, because I'm going to the Father. So what does this mean, a little while? We don't know what he's talking about. Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him, so he said to them, Is this what you're asking yourselves, what I meant by saying, A little while you will not see me, and again a little while, and you will see me? Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn in to joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because an hour has come, but when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he'll give to you. Until you've asked nothing in my name, ask and you will receive, that your joy may be full. I've said these things to you in figures of speech. So he knows he's kind of speaking not directly. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you because you've loved me, and I believe that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into this world, and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. Um, verse, well, that's fine. So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll pause there. And so he, he kind of says these things like, I'm leaving, I'm going, and, um, but all mixed in with uh, the speaking about um, talking about the Holy Spirit. And he even says earlier in John 14 about going to a place to prepare a room for you, uh, which is a really interesting um, idea. It picks up a marriage motif of um, theme where, uh, where the bridegroom, when he gets betrothed to the bride, will go and he'll build a room on his father's house so that the bride can then come live with his family. And um, so then you see that, that that's what Jesus is kind of speaking about. Like, I'm going to prepare a place for you because you will be with me at one point. But they don't know quite when, right? Because we think, you know, we're, we're so fixed in time that we're always thinking, like, when's that going to happen? You know, just like when you tell a child, like, I have something special for you. And they're like, when? You know, is it, you told me something special. Um, <laughs> you can always kick that down the, down the road, couldn't you? Be like, yeah, someday, someday, I'll, I'll give it to you. Um, but right, you know, we want to know. And so we have that always aspect of, of is it now, is it coming? So this is kind of how what we see, the, um, the, how, the, how the apostles are going to respond. All right, so back into Acts. So we've got kind of all these things that, are, 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 that we've seen, the different prophets have spoken of, and so we kind of piece them together um, and maybe have an understanding about what they are, uh, what they're thinking, right? So Jesus says, I have to go, I'm leaving, and the Spirit will come. I want you to stay in Jerusalem. And the Spirit will come not many days from now. So when they came together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Um, so what do you think they mean by restoring the kingdom? What is their view? So we've seen some things about Ezekiel when this new covenant will happen and they're making the connection that Jesus is, you know, and he said those things, like I come and I bring a new covenant, um, especially when he talks about the, the Passover. Uh, and so we've got those messages. We've got 
a message about the Spirit and fire and Malachi. We have John the Baptist saying, you know, I'm baptizing with water, um, but some will come after me who will baptize with fire. Um, and so, uh, so what are you thinking that they're thinking? And then Jesus has this description about, you know, the helper. Um, so when he says restore the kingdom, what are they thinking? Okay, yeah, they are currently living under Roman oppression, right? So they are in Israel, but is it really one unified nation? No, not really. It's kind of like these districts that are, you know, over, over, you know ruled over by the Romans. Um, and so they, there's that aspect, because when you look at different prophecies, you also not only have like, you know, you have the fire aspect coming, and those will be, people will be judged, but you also have, uh, other other prophecies that um, the Messiah is going to come as a conquering king, uh, and so so their view is that Jesus will come and will rule, um, and so he, they're like, is that is that what you mean? Like, are you going to come restore the kingdom to Israel? Is this helper going to maybe do that? Is that you know maybe maybe elaborating on on what their thinking is? Um, so he said to them, well, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. So why can't they know? It's not for you to know. Why can't they know? What's that? Okay, some things just belong to God, right? And Jesus has, has taught certain things very clearly, um, if we turn to Mark thirteen thirty two, or if, you know, if you just want to listen, I can. Jesus says, because right before he was crucified, um, after the Passover, uh, that you know they were looking at the stones of the, the around the temple, and he's starting to you know they're like, aren't these like beautiful stones? And he's like, there's going to be a day that none of these stones will be. Um, left standing. Uh, Tim, how does that resonate with you now? There's a big pile. <laughs> yeah, so, um, which you probably think it took a lot of work, right, to, to destroy, the, destroy all of that. Um, and so, you know, he, he starts in saying, well, what does it look like? And again, they ask the same questions, you know, when, you know, when is this kingdom going to be restored? And so he says, but concerning that day or that hour, so Jesus gets to that point, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Um, and so, can we know the time when Jesus is going to return? Yeah. No. Um, I think, was it Thursday? Uh, at some, like, I was teaching some class, and they said, Mr. Laws, since we are going to be raptured in like seven minutes, uh, can we have, like, I don't know what they wanted, like a study hall or something. <laughs> and I was like, what are you talking about? So I, did any of you guys hear about, there was some, uh, and I guess it had to do with um, some astrological uh, constellation. Is anyone, am I on the right track? Someone was explaining what, what it was. I never bothered to look it up. But it was uh, something where there was, a, um, one of the constellations was a woman. And uh, so it was like, was that the woman in the sky that was talked about in Revelation? And so I thought it was interesting that they're taking, like, astrology and, and, and you know, the scripture and like kind of like is this what they're talking about so I think there was like a 24 hour period that they were thinking I don't know when the sun rose to when 
I don't know. So when the sun rose, I think, in, in Israel uh, on the Mount of Olives, which is, again, going back to something in Scripture about the return of, return of, uh, of the Messiah, that, that they're, they're taking that and they're taking the sign and they're saying, like, well, at this time, the world is supposed to end. So anyway, so it's funny the things that kids... <laughs> My kids probably hadn't read Revelation, but they're, you know, they're reading news stories about the fact that the world could possibly end because it gets our attention um, and our understanding. And sometimes you know, everybody wants to know, right? If, if we want to know if some big event, you cross your fingers and hope, you know, uh, if, you're not, um, if you're not a believer and you don't know that there will be signs talked about, um, that that is, is uh, you know, how most people react to those things. So they say, are you going to restore the kingdom at this time? And he says, listen, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Like that's, again, that's God's business. And I've already told that to you, but I'll tell you that again. That's not my, you know, my uh, call. It's the Father to call, and then I will, I will go. And we see what that looks like a little bit more in Revelation. But he says in, in verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem um, and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Okay, And so uh, we're going to see that, that at first Jesus has got to go, but the apostles have to stay. They want to know that if, when Jesus comes back, uh, or when Jesus is going, is that when he talks about that, um, is, this all, is this a part of that whole restoration of the kingdom? Is this like when judgment is going to happen? And he says, listen, like, you just have to wait. You just have to wait and see. Um, but right now, you know, we're going to see that Jesus is giving them a command, something that they got to do, and that they have to then go. Um, now they're being referred to, we talked about this last time, that in Acts they're referred to as apostles and not disciples, because disciples is somebody who is a learner, and an apostle is somebody who is a sent one, someone who goes out uh, for a particular purpose. And so what kind of power are they going to receive? You know, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. At this point, um, there's been other times when power has come upon them specifically. What was one time that power came upon them specifically? You guys remember that? They were as they were disciples and they were still in their training phase, there was a time that Jesus, like a part of their training, sent them to go out. What's that? They cast out demons. Yeah, so they cast out demons and they went to different towns and they, they preached. And so Jesus says, there's power, you know, I'm, I'm going to give you this authority, the same authority that I have um, to substantiate the message that you preach. And it was kind of like a trial, you know, run. Like, I want you to go out as Jesus was training them because Jesus would be gone and they would then have to be sent out Again, so what kind of power will they receive? Will we receive the power that will substantiate um, the message of Scripture? Uh, and we see how it will play out in the book of Acts um, in various ways. Um, their main focus, though, is to be a good witness. So what are the, some of the things that they witnessed? And we talked about things that they uh, uh, you know, they, uh, that Jesus did, so they would have been witnesses of that. But is there anything that went maybe above and beyond that they witnessed, that they got a picture of um, what maybe the future looks like? Can you guys think of anything? Well, I mean, at the, uh, 
Okay. And they saw it twice. The mini NASA seminary course and the Trinity. Yeah, and it was like, hey, here are all the things. Like, here's here's basically me in scripture. Right. You know, like there's there I am, there I am. And it was like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, some of those things. I, you know, it's, it's probably it's probably a good description. Sometimes in seminary, there were things that I was like. I never heard that before. You know, sometimes you hear something in church, you're like, I never, I never thought about it that way. You know, and so, uh, so Jesus, yeah, was like, let me, you know, knowing their hearts and knowing their minds, kind of was able to, to, uh, to, to get to the heart of what he wanted them to know. That's definitely true. First um, John, I'll read you a few verses at the beginning of First John, and we'll look at also Second Peter. Um, First John starts his introduction. He says, "That which was from the beginning." which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, and which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest and we have seen it. And we testify to it and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen, that which we heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you may too have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship was with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. So John says, we've seen these things, we've heard these things, and we testify to these things. We read something similar in 2 Peter. Um, let's see here, 2 Peter chapter 1. And then we'll do verse 16. Peter says, We did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. For when He received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to Him by the majestic glory, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased, we ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with Him on the holy mountain, and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to you, which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day uh, dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from anyone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit." And so he says that a very important uh, piece about Scripture, that Scripture is not something that man just makes up and says like, oh, let me connect some dots for you. But he says this is actually the Word of God that we are proclaiming to you. And so, uh, but he says that we were eyewitnesses of His majesty on that mountain. What is he referring to? What's that? Okay, yeah, not, not the ascension, which they will talk, we will see in just a second. But... Uh, you know, which was definitely true, but yeah, the transfiguration. Remember, Peter, we see uh, when Jesus is transfigured uh, that he, you know, uh, kind of radiated uh, white, and that, um, what, how did Peter respond? Right, yeah, he's like, can we, can we uh, set up an altar to you um, and to Moses and to Elijah and just stay here. And Jesus says, no, we have to go down back into the mountain. But he like shows them a, a picture, a portion of his glory for all, uh, for them to see. And who were those that were there? It was the, the top, the, his innermost three. And those were what? Peter, which you know we see, James, and John. Where is James uh, when Peter and John are writing? We'll see what happens to him. Does he write his own letter? There's a James who writes, but it's not this James. 
He was actually, we'll see that he's the first martyr in Scripture, and so we'll see that in Acts. But those three, the two, the other two that were remaining, by the time that these letters are written, are writing, and they actually, you know, point back to those things. Like, we've heard it, we've seen it. It's not just stuff that we're making up. And so, because they have seen this glory, because they were a part of this ministry, because they saw all the healings and uh, casting out demons and all of those things, you know, Jesus says that, you will be my witnesses. And, and that's what John says. Like, we are here to be witnesses to you of all the things that we have seen. So if you were to say, what is the, uh, probably the, you know, your memory verse for, for Acts, this would be a good one. Because we're going to see this actually played out. This is like Jesus' mission for them, and we're going to see exactly this happening um, in the next several chapters. Uh, and really, I guess, the, to the end of Acts, But he says, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So where are these these places? Jerusalem is where? Okay, so yeah. And uh, and it's the the central point where the temple is. Okay, and so he starts there. That's where they're starting out. Stay in Jerusalem. I want you to be here. And then... After that, so you're going to wait for the Holy Spirit, and then after that, then I want you to move out to where? Okay, so Judea is where? Okay, it's the southern part of Israel, right? And so Jerusalem is in Judea, and then Samaria is where? It's not the southern part, but it's where? Yeah, so the northern part, right? What was, what was important about uh, Samaria? What's that? <laughs> he said lots of fish. Lots of fish, right? So, uh, right, they were the centers of the split kingdom. When, they, when Israel and, and, and uh, Judah had split, they were kind of the centers, but that's regionally how those areas were known. And so I want you to go from Jerusalem to kind of spread out into these areas to Judea, which is where uh, the Jewish portion, uh, you know, you'd say the more Jewish portion um, of of the region is of if you wanted to kind of think of unified Israel, the northern part would be more you know have more Gentile influence, and so that's why um, when we talk about Samaritans, uh, th- there's another aspect to that as well. But it's like less um, less Jewish, right? <laughs> Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then he says to the ends of the world, right? Which would incorporate everywhere, right? And the end, the end of the earth. Um, and so we'll see that, especially in the Roman Empire, how that gets kind of filled out in the expansion of the church um, for the people. And so when he said that, so that's going to be important because this verse will refer to as we get, you know, a little bit further on. But that's Jesus saying, like, this is what you're going to ha- is what's going to happen, and we'll see it like it, do- it happens that way. And this is how it plays out. And this is how it's going to play out, and it actually does. So verse 9 says, When he had said these things, and as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So these men in white robes, who do you think they are? Angels. Why do we think they're angels? What's that? Because they're wearing white robes. Yeah. 
That's the only half it, yeah. So there's, there's different places, where, you know, you can look forward and look in Revelation and see that a lot of people, when they're in heaven, they're wearing white. But you also see that around the tomb that there were these, these uh, people that were wearing white. And in John 20, 11 through 12, you see Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she uh, stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one, of the, um, one at the head and one at the feet. And so, you know, John describes them as angels, that they were wearing white. And so these two men, likely angels, uh, were there in white, plus they have some sort of knowledge about how things are working, not just two random guys that are making commentary on the scene. So that's why we, you know, we take them as angels. And, th- and they said, um, you know, it's kind of interesting why you know that Luke records this scene uh, and how you know what was said because at the end of uh, his gospel um, he just says that they saw Jesus there on the Mount of Olives and Jesus ascended and then they were filled with joy and that's just kind of how it ends but he 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 fills out a little bit about what the picture looks like and what was said and and they said men of Galilee why do you stand looking into heaven this Jesus who was taking up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven and so this kind of will then like uh be something that they will um have in the back of their minds as like why do you think that's important for for Luke to kind of give some of this information when he just goes up and he says he ascended and they were filled with joy that leaves with questions about well is Jesus returning right isn't there going to be a restoration of the kingdom? Isn't there going to be some sort of judgment? Isn't you know how is those things going to look? And so um, these angels kind of give like one peek into the fact that Jesus goes up. Now they are standing there, and it's a visible. You know, I always just imagine like how how did that look? Like just like Jesus like rising up, and then like like getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Have you ever like tried to like keep your eye on a bird or something as it flies, like or like a balloon? That's probably a better one. Like a balloon that gets lost, you're like. How long can I stare at this for until it just finally, and sometimes it's like really small, and then all of a sudden you're just like, I don't see it anymore. You know, is that the same thing with Jesus, that they're just kind of standing there watching, and then these guys are like, why are you, why are you standing there watching? And they're like, I don't know. This doesn't happen every day. Um, <laughs> so he fills them, though, on the fact that, like, you know, and again, like, Jesus is gone, and I don't know if there's joy, or if there is sorrow, like, like he's leaving, um, and, you know, now we're on our own. And so maybe some of those thoughts, and so they give like a pointed, clear discussion, you know, thing that Jesus, when he does return, he will return. As he went up in a physical way, kind of into the clouds, he will actually come back in the clouds. And there's plenty of places that we could go to um, and to look at that. Uh, Daniel 7.13 describes uh, the coming of the Son of Man coming as with the clouds. Um, you can see in Revelation 1.7, similar, that, uh, that Jesus will come but it will be visible. And I just think it was kind of amazing, um, you know, if you guys did uh, watch the eclipse or, you know, you get to watch some sort of something in the sky that um, I tried to find, like, how many people, like, watched the eclipse, you know, if there was any sort of numbers. and I mean, there's not. How do you know? Um, but they, they were trying to estimate that maybe 20 million people were in that zone of to- totality, but they figured, like, you know, scientists say probably half of the nation, so maybe 150 million people, like, watch this. So it was like a big event where people are just looking up at the sun, you know, with these little glasses on, um, you know, trying to see a sliver of the moon. But that's like, you know, it's going to be some event that is going to be seen, is going to be known, um, is going to be established. And every time you see Jesus return, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, rapture or you see... Um, 
Jesus' return and his second coming, it's like this big event that there will be trumpets, there will be established like Jesus is going to come. So it's not like he's just going to appear as they were in the upper room and it was locked and they were like, oh, Jesus, like Jesus will come back and it will be known. Um, Go about your work, like go and do what you need to do. Jesus told you these things, you're going to be witnesses. And uh, that's kind of the point um, that we can kind of extrapolate from that. And so that they have some assurance that they'll know because Jesus talked about signs and these angels are confirming the fact that Jesus is going to come back in the same way uh, visible. So let's just summarize real quick as we're out of time. Jesus had to go. Why was that? So the Holy Spirit could come. The apostles had to stay. Why? Okay, they could share the gospel before that. To receive the Spirit, right? Okay. Um, what did the, the apostles wanted to know? What was that? What did they want to know about Jesus? What's that? When he come back? Or are you restoring the kingdom at this time? Like, is this like it? You know? And he's like, no, it's not it. I got stuff for you to do. And they're like, all right, right. We've been trained to do something. Um, it would have been easier if it was like restore the kingdom and they could just enjoy that. But they had work to do. The apostles will have to go. And why is that? To teach the gospel, to be witnesses. Um, and the angels told them so. What would, it, what would they tell them about Jesus? That he'll come back, right? And that he will, he will come just as he left. So what's the application, right? Sometimes we have to stay. Sometimes we have to go. But whatever it is, we have to be patient on the Lord. And then we have to be ready to act. And that's what we're going to see that really that's how the apostles are going to live their life. And that's one reason I just always get excited by acts is because they're just minding their own business. And something happens, you're like, that was so amazing. Um, and we just get to see that um, boom, boom, boom play out. We are to be Jesus' witnesses on this earth, just as the apostles were. They got to actually see Jesus, but we have experienced Jesus in our own lives and God's transforming power in our own lives. And so his call to them is also the call to us as well to do those things and to carry that and to be his witnesses and explain to others what that's like. And final application is that the end will be known to all. So whenever you have somebody saying, like, the end of the world's going to happen, I just say, well, plan on having your homework done by Monday because... Um, chances are uh, it's not going to happen. There are going to be other signs. You can read those in Scripture and that we'll know that it's the end when Jesus um, returns and that we'll see him coming uh, just as he went up to be with the Father. Okay, uh, so we'll return to that. Now that Jesus is gone, we're going to transition to uh, really what the apostles and the Holy Spirit are going to do and, and uh, we'll see how the, uh, the planning and preparations for that in the weeks to come. All right. You just missed.